Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A rational fear contains strong, coarse language and traces of nuts. FBI Radio recommends listening by an immature audience. Tonight, the world knows to stop Coney from exploiting children as soldiers and drug smugglers, but who will stop Tony Abbott from exposing children to his budgie smugglers? And Bob Catter says his anti-gay television commercial isn't anti-gay, just pro-vagina. Also, thank God the heat is off Yumi Steins in the circle. Now they can get back to doing what they love doing best, filling the gaps between infomercials. This is a Rational Fair! Welcome to the very first Irrational Fear. Now, this is a show that tells you just how scared you should be of everyday life. We've got a lot of great comedians here on the panel to share some light on some of the scariest topics going around today. Uh, first up, Lewis Hobart, what are you going to be? Uh, what are you going to be sharing with us tonight? I'm just starting off light and bright, Dan, talking about how the best thing we can hope for this year is the end of the world. <laughs> very good. Facebook and Twitter burnt down this week thanks to Coney. Scott Abbott, what else don't we know about Coney? Uh, well, I think the idea behind the Coney campaign was that uh, once Coney finds out how many children's lives he's destroyed, he'll turn himself in, uh, but it hasn't worked yet for Justin Bieber. So. Okay, very good, excellent. Now informing our choices on the US election, Michael Hing. Yeah, I'm just going to be talking about how insane Republicans are. Uh, very good. And uh, Susie Yosef, what are you doing on the panel tonight? Well, I'm just going to be talking about how insane Michael Hing is. Ah, uh, very good. And Dan Towns, what are you going to be parading, parading in front of us today? Uh, gay marriage and equality. So there you go. Yeah. Well, uh, very good. But first, yes, woo, gay marriage, first. Excellent. How good was the re-spill? Wasn't the re-spill good? It was very good. I, I love the re-spill. I thought it was uh, pretty excellent. And I loved 
how faceless men can make such great dramatic television. I just think, wouldn't it be great, they could just take over excess baggage and just turn it into a completely different show. Just tension going all the time. Uh, as a former Prime Minister once said, Kavenge is a dish best served with sauce. Um, and uh, and I, was, uh, I was very well served. Now, people, what I love about the, the re-spill is that democracy in our nation was very much uh, under the microscope. And people watching a lot of news, people really understood what, what democracy was. Um, I love the radio shock jocks. They were always saying, well, I didn't vote for Gillard. I didn't get Gillard in. And then their audience would say, well, I didn't get Gillard in either. And then Tony Abbott would jump on board and say, well, I didn't vote for Gillard. No Australian voted for Gillard. And I thought, that is such a great definition of how our democracy works. I'm so glad everybody understands how everything works here. I mean, if you listen to the media, they will think that pretty much that Twitter uh, runs the elections these days. Uh, all the media were talking about how well, you know, Kevin Rudd does have a million followers to Gillard's 180,000. So clearly there's still, a, there's still a chance he could win. It's like, what? Come on. Like, the Twitter, I think people, I think the media just don't under, really understand Twitter. Like, not everybody that follows you on Twitter likes you. Just ask Jim Shambury. Like, <laughs> if you do ask him, he might call you boss at the same time. Um, but I was just kind of thinking about how our Twitter would work, and I think it might be cool if maybe, uh, maybe we could choose our cabinet by Twitter. Uh, if, if prominent tweeters were a sign of, uh, of, of someone we should give a power to, perhaps we could make Ministry for Agriculture go to La La Lady Gaga, maybe. Or maybe the Minister for Finance could be 50 Cent, uh, which would be good. Uh, and Lord knows that uh, Charlie Sheen would make a great Minister for Disabilities. Um, really good. And uh, then, of course, uh, the Ministry for Community Services, that could probably go to Chris Brown, he knows a lot about community service, so that's good. But one man who knows a lot more uh, about what happened in the re-spill, um, uh, please put your hands together for the very excellent, we are so privileged to have him here, the former everyman, Mr Kevin Rudd. Uh, uh, there will be no carbon tax under the government. Mr. Rudd, welcome to Irrational Fear. Uh, Dan, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here tonight. You know, looking at the audience, I think you and I have a lot in common. That's right. We just can't get the numbers. But um... <laughs> It's our first one, Kevin. It's our first one. <laughs> now, first question. Speaking of the numbers, the numbers were st stacked up against you. I want to know why. Why did you do it? Why did I run for the leadership? Because I was not elected <laughs> by factions. I was elected by you and you and you and maybe not you. But um, I'm pointing at the audience, radio people, if you're wondering <laughs> why that isn't as funny as it could have been. <laughs> who, Kevin, who are the faceless men and what are they doing right now? What? Well, I do not want to mention names. <laughs> Shorten, shorten, um, <laughs> howls. But um, Mark Arbib was one of the faceless men, so-called, and uh, he recently, as you know, took a good look in the mirror, didn't see anything, and <laughs> he tendered his resignation. In fact, let's say this for the Gillard government, something will be effective immediately, and that will be Mark's resignation. So that's fantastic. <laughs> now... Um, now Maybe I was speaking Chinese then, I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. I don't speak Chinese. I did do a course, but uh, I'm going to have to do it again. But mm -hmm. let me ask you, what are you, doing, what are you doing now? Like, what, what does a backbencher do? 
I'm sure you've got a lot of free time on your hands. Well, I, uh, I have uh, quite a few talents, as uh, probably everyone in this room knows. And um, <laughs> one of them is uh, the art of show business. And I'm actually a bit of a comic, and uh, I've got a few jokes I'd like to try out. Maybe uh, the boys and the lady here on the panel could uh, take some notes. Um, some knock-knock jokes. Would anyone like to hear some knock-knock jokes? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Here we go. I think you know the appropriate response. Knock-knock. Abbott. I bet there's a pair of socks down those budgie smugglers. <laughs> All right, one more, one more. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Julia. Julia. Bitch. <laughs> I'm still working on that one, Dan. It's very good. It's, it's very sharp. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, look, you're still leading Australia, but you're leading Australia in Twitter followers. Mm -hmm. You are the number one uh, tweeter yes. in Australia. This is true. By a number of followers. Mm -hmm. How do you wield your power? Well, when it comes to the wielding of power, you know something? My mentor, Master Chow, used to say, How true. I think there's something in that for all of us. And finally, Kevin Rudd. Queensland Liberal leader Campbell Newman looks like he's oh. not going to win mm. uh, his seat, which means the Liberals in Queensland are going to be looking for a Premier. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you live in Queensland. Have you thought about maybe moving to uh, Ashgrove and maybe crossing the floor? I'm a proud Queenslander, Dan. They say uh, two things of oversized proportion have come out of my hometown of Nambour. Uh, the Big Pineapple and Big Kev. <laughs> in fact, you might say the rough end of one was inserted into the other back in 2010. But um, let's not dwell on that. Uh, but I'm up there campaigning for um, whoever the Labor candidates are. And up there in Queensland, I'm doing my best. And if that doesn't work out, I'm forming a party with Bob Catter. Rudd meets Catter. Ratter. <laughs> That's very good. Yes. Kevin Rudd, please. Oh. Thank Kevin Rudd. Thank you Thank very you. much. <laughs> Twenty twelve was supposed to be our biggest year because it was gonna be our last. The apocalypse was coming, predicted by the Mayans, directed by Michael Bay. Signs were everywhere, the economic crisis, nuclear meltdowns, the new Facebook timeline. And then a few months ago, an asteroid, ominously named DA-14, turned up on satellites and looked to be heading in a very us-like direction. You might not, have, might not have heard of DA-14. A lot of people played it down. We'd had asteroid scares before. But like season two of Celebrity Apprentice, no matter how hard we tried to ignore it, it kept coming. <laughs> then, last week, scientists decided that DA-14 would miss us by about 27,000 kilometres. And everyone rejoiced. Except me. And I realise being disappointed the world won't be wiped out doesn't sound glass half full. But I think people are ignoring the end of the world's obvious upsides. First, we all work better with a deadline. <laughs> if I knew it was about to end, I'd get a lot done very quickly. Yes, some of those things would be looting and killing. But also, I'd tell my family how much I love them. I'd strip down naked and run through the desert. I would dance like nobody's watching. Then, 
I'd go to Adelaide and I'd dance like nobody's watching. <laughs> then I'd go on Channel 10 Breakfast and I'd dance and nobody would be watching. <laughs> the second perk of the apocalypse, nothing unites like a common enemy. Today, tonight, viewers all hate Muslims. Bogans all hate hipsters. Hipsters all hate second albums. But, but these grudges are what's wrong with our society today. What could really bring the whole world together is something we can all hate. Like a giant asteroid heading right for us. Everything John Lennon sang about in Imagine would come true. The world would live as one. Just not for very long. For the first time, I'd find common ground with commenters on News.com articles. Yes, White Australia 78, I agree. This government should do something about the asteroid. But no, I'm not 100% sure it is all that bitch Yumi Steins' fault. And the positives don't end there. Every TV show would be a grand finale. Every film, the last in the trilogy. Every magazine, a farewell issue. Who wouldn't love to see Zoo Magazine's hottest chicks to repopulate the species with? <laughs> or Frankie's final article, How to Top Yourself Before the Asteroid Hits Us by Adding Cyanide to Our Super Cute Muffin Recipes. <laughs> I don't even care how the end comes. It doesn't have to be an asteroid. Any apocalypse will do. There's a theory that a hole could rip open the fabric of space-time and annihilate the entire world in half an hour. And I like the idea of complete destruction in half an hour because it's not long enough for people on Twitter to turn the word apocalypse into a series of puns involving song titles. <laughs> Maybe one guy might get out total apocalypse of the heart and then game over. <laughs> there are almost infinite benefits to the impending apocalypse. If the world ends, we won't still be waiting for the next series of Game of Thrones. But there'll always be some naysayers who'll try to tell you the end of the world is a bad thing. To those people, I say this. If everyone in the world dies in a massive asteroid collision, we'll definitely have stopped Coney. <laughs> or don't you care about child soldiers? Tonight's Irrational Fear is brought to you by Swiss Vitamins. Swiss Vitamins can cure cancer, predict lottery numbers, turn base metals into gold, and rehabilitate Mel Gibson's career. You'll feel better on Swiss. You may not actually feel better on Swiss. Thanks very much, guys. Um, my name is Scott Abbott. Um, no relation to Tony. Uh, of course, without a DNA test, none of us can really be sure. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about the Coney campaign. Um, I don't know how you feel about Coney. You know, you know who Coney is, right? Ugandan warlord, dropped out of school. He started pillaging the Ugandan, you know, the, the Ugandan countryside. Became the world's most hated man. I think the lesson for the kiddies here... Stay in school, <laughs> all right? Um, but this has become like a massive Facebook campaign. And what I love about Facebook campaigns, you may have noticed this, everyone on Facebook is so, so progressive, except when it comes to changing Facebook. <laughs> have you noticed this? Like, everyone's, like, everyone on my feed is like, yeah, free Uganda, legalise drugs, open the borders. But they make some tiny little change to the layout of Facebook. And it's like, kill Zuckerberg! <laughs> <laughs> but um, Coney, so I don't know how I feel about Coney. Like, it, it all started from a promise, basically. This, this filmmaker made a promise to the young, one of the young victims. He said, I promise I'll stop Coney. And my parents always taught me, don't make promises you can't keep. All right? And I think an equally like, good rule to live by 
is don't make promises. You need the American army to help you keep. Uh, you know, like, because it all started like you got this, um, oh, where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, yeah, Coney, that's right. That's what I was talking about. He's explaining it to his five-year-old son, right? You saw that in the video and his five-year-old son goes, yes, I understand. We need to get Coney. And he kind of looks around and he's like, well, there you have it. And I'm thinking, is this really a responsible model for troop deployment? You know, basing American military strategy on what a five-year-old can understand. Didn't we try this during the Bush administration? George Bush jokes. Still getting traction. Um, how it all works, in case you haven't seen, is there's 20 policy makers, 20, sorry, 20 culture makers and 12 policy makers. And we're meant to you know, lean on these people who will lean on the American government, who will keep advisors in Uganda, who will help and train the Ugandan military. And, and the culture makers are people like Taylor Swift, Ben Affleck, Oprah Winfrey. And um, I think one of, one of the people that was on the list that I thought was great was Bono. Like, alert Bono to what's happening in Africa. You know, like, say what you like about Bono. I think Bono already knows. All right? I don't know if he needs the nation's 12-year-olds to start tweeting him. Like, dear Bono, I don't know if you realise... There are some bad things happening in Africa. <laughs> P.S. Africa is below Europe. I have attached a map. You know, like the other, on the other side, you've got the, uh, the policy makers. And uh, number one, n the number one policy maker that we all need to get in touch with, George W. Bush. You know, like I, I can't imagine George Bush is going to appreciate all of a sudden getting these millions of text messages from people going, all right, George, we've got this great new idea. You're going to love it. Everyone's on board. American military intervention. <laughs> it's great. It, what happens is we take the American army, we put them into a sovereign country to get the bad guy. I don't know why someone hasn't come up with this earlier. <laughs> you know? and, and the final one I wanted to talk about is someone who's not on the list. All right, there's Condoleezza Rice, former US Secretary of State, on the list. Bill Clinton, former US President, on the list. Hillary Clinton current US Secretary of State, nowhere to be seen. You know, it's like, all right, US Secretary of State Clinton, there's trouble in a far off land, the world needs you to contact your predecessor and your husband. <laughs> no, no, Hillary, don't bother yourself with it, all right? If you really want to help, share this video on Facebook, all right? And have you got George Clooney's number? Thanks very much, guys. <laughs> has led me here to this movie you're watching because because that promise is not just about Jake or me. Uh, thank you very much, Scott. That was great. Now, guys, um, uh, what else? What have we learned about the Coney thing about about social media campaigns? What do you what do you guys think? I've learned that Coney looks a lot like Carl Weathers from Predator. <laughs> That's a thing we've all seen on the internet. I actually saw that on someone's wall. Someone just posted the picture of Carl Weathers, and then under it, everyone just were attacking. Why are you supporting this guy? That's horrible. <laughs> I, I saw a meme that said uh, Carl Weathers is not Coney, and had it side by side, <laughs> pointing yeah. out the difference. It's a good way to test how how much attention your Facebook friends have really been paying to the whole thing. If you just put up a picture of Carl Weathers and say, "I really love this guy." <laughs> And uh, see how many people attack you. Have any of you guys uh, bought a Coney pack, a Coney uh, Save the World kit? 
No, what comes in the co- what comes in the Save the World kit? Oh, you get a T-shirt uh, that helps save the world. Uh, a bracelet, a Save the World bracelet. Two, two who, actually. Who created these kits? These uh, are mass produced, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They're probably mass produced by little children. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't care about it, Dan, until I saw that Vanilla Ice had tweeted about it, and uh, and he he's told he thinks that the heroes should go in that killed that killed uh, Osama and and kill Coney, and I thought that's. Pretty rough from a man who once told us all to stop, collaborate and listen. I think he could probably take a little bit of his own advice there. You're listening to Irrational Fear, making you more feel more vulnerable than Skyping in a college dorm at Duntroon. Hey, Irrational hey, Fear. Now, this segment is called Hash, Hash Nuggets, where we wade through a cesspool of online social media and find out uh, some of the gold trolling that is going on here on the internet. Susie. Uh, this week, Cole's supermarket managed to trend after posting the following on Twitter. Finish this sentence. In my house, it's a crime not to buy... Dot, dot, dot. Really, Coles? Do we want to play this game? Instantly, Coles had loads of suggestions, some from tweeters who don't even follow them. Some of the best included one from at Jenna Price. In my house, it's a crime not to buy organic milk from independent growers who won't sell to duopolies. Classic Jenna Price. (laughs) (laughs) There was also this one from TV, which is a very reliable source. In my house, it's a crime not to buy the silence of politicians in marginal electorates. (laughs) Oh, oh, (laughs) Tweevy. Now, uh, it's dangerous when brands encourage social media uh, people to kind of embrace their brand online and contribute online. Uh, In January, Tui's asked uh, their Facebook fans, besides Tui, what is essential to a great Australia Day barbecue? Uh, which prompted such brand-friendly suggestions from a Facebook fan called Michael Ferguson. Now, um, uh, I would love Daniel to read this out. Is that okay, Dan? Yeah. Oh, an esky full of piss, chicks with their tits out, good Aussie music, and watermelon helmet. <laughs> <laughs> now... That's pretty good from Michael, but uh, he came back straight away to post a second comment just to make sure his point of view wasn't ambiguous. It's Australia Day, not I came here on a boat day. (laughs) Well done. Good clarification, Michael, because uh, we had no idea you were racist and misogynistic. (laughs) That's good. Give that man a new. (laughs) Um, So let me ask you guys, uh, finish this sentence for me. In my house, it's a crime not to buy what? Go for it, anybody, anybody. In my house, it's a crime not to buy expensive tomatoes, put them through the self-serve checkout as regular tomatoes, and then walk out of the store going, down, down, prices are down. Lewis, how have you got one? Um, I don't know. I guess in our house, it's it's a crime not to buy toilet paper, but we can spend a long time breaking that law. It's really not until you start looking at receipts and thinking, that'll do. Has anybody else got one? My mum does all the shopping for me. <laughs> now, uh, also in other hashtag news over the weekend, uh, Kyle Sandlands is bringing out his memoirs. Uh, yeah, I know. And the hashtag that was being ju- ju- dropping around Twitter has been Name Kyle's Book. Uh, some of the best have been Tomorrow When the Abuse Began, um, The Origin of the Feces, uh, The Kyle Delusion, and this one from Will Anderson, Belittle Women. Um <laughs> Guys, what, what would you call uh, the Carl Sanderlands memoir? Susie? I, I just would have, because we loved it all the first time round. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Hing, have you got one? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
I reckon just call it Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> well done. Very good. Well done. I thought maybe uh, where the reviled things are. <laughs> You're listening to Irrational Fear, scarier than a career comeback from Scary Spies. Birth control to me enables that, and I don't think it's a healthy thing for our country. The game. So, so birth control has led to har- harmful uh, effects in society. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Michael Hing. It is great to be here. How you feeling? Hooray! Excellent. Uh, I have been studying the uh, US uh, election that's been going on with a fine-tooth comb because I have so many friends. And uh, one thing I just noticed... Yeah, thanks for... Uh, not a joke. Uh, <laughs> two, two days ago, two days ago on Fox News, Sarah Palin came out and described Barack Obama in the following terms. Barack Obama, she said, is trying to take us back to a time before the Civil War. What? What does that even... Can you imagine? Can you Im- Okay, here, here's the thing about what caused the Civil War. I want you to just imagine in your, in your brains two columns, right? And in one column, let's say the left-hand column, we're going to put all the presidents who couldn't legally be slaves before the Civil War, right? We'll put them all in one column. And the other column, we'll just put Barack Obama. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if you went out to Barack Obama and you gave him a time machine and said, Mr. President, Mr. President... Sarah Palin has said that you want to take us... You know what? You can go to any time. Any time in history. Any time in US history pre-now. It's 2012, you can go to any time. You know what Barack Obama's going to say? Get that fucking time machine away from me. Get that fucking time... Get away from my family. Get away from my, my beautiful wife, my loving daughters. Get the fuck away from me. I, uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been reading a lot about uh, crazy US primary stuff. I, I've been reading a lot about uh, Mitt Romney. I, I read a lot... What annoys me about this kind of stuff is that uh, young people are kind of getting on the Republican bandwagon. And I think young people should probably be uh, much more uh, liberal than they are in America. They, they seem to be kind of uh, shifting conservative in, in, some, in some states. And it really, really annoys me because young people are meant to be the liberals. Young people are meant to be the bastion of moral hope in this age. And they're not. They, they're going, uh, in some states, uh, Republican. And, and that really freaks me out. I hear a lot of people say uh, that uh, arguing for uh, the Republicans, uh, for people like Mitt Romney and uh, Newt Gingrich, saying things like... Um, these people can take care of the economy, right? And, and it strikes me as odd because uh, people like Newt Gingrich oversaw things like... Uh, they, they lobbied for people like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which were integral in the global financial crisis. And also people like Mitt Romney uh, were CEOs of places like Bain Capital, which are, which are co- corporations which uh, you know, g- gave a lot of uh, time and effort to fucking the economy royally. Um, what, when, when you talk to people about it, though, they, they say things like... Uh, liberals go, well, why would we put these people back in charge of the economy? And I've read this with my own eyes on internet forums. And people say things like, well... They made the mess. They can clean it up. <laughs> That's not an argument. Like, here's the thing. If I, if I spill some M&Ms on the carpet, I've made a mess, and I'll clean it up. But ruining capitalism... That's not really making a mess, is it? That's, that, that, that's just fucking it. Like, terribly. If, you know, here's the thing. If I lend my sister my car, and she drives it into a wall, I'm hardly going to ask her to fix the car. <laughs> Causing the problem doesn't give you the justification to fix it. If I, if I give my friend my Game Boy, and he puts it up his butt, he's not going to be in charge of repairs on that. It, it, you know, that's a solid argument. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fine. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, if I, putting the Republicans back in charge of the U.S. economy is like me finding, I don't know, the, the fat fuck who bullied me all the way through high school, now, now I'm 26, and go, hey, buddy, uh, do you offer therapy now? Because I would really like you to fix me. Uh, that's all I've got. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> who would you guys, guys, who would you like to see uh, uh, in the Republican primaries win? Rick Santorum. Why is that? Because I'm a political comedian. <laughs> 
I like that Santorum guy as well, but I like it for what they've made it his name mean now, if you look it up on Urban Dictionary. What's that? A frothy mix of lubricant and fecal matter, which, <laughs> is, which is a byproduct of anal sex. <laughs> Uh, I was in the stage recently and I went... Uh, Sorry, can we just clarify? That's why you like him, Daniel? <laughs> That's why I'm... I fell off my chair when I read that. <laughs> were you Googling Santorum for your own personal needs? I can't remember why. I, was, I don't know how I found it. I think you were Googling frothy mixture of lubricant <laughs> and... Uh, the funny thing is I actually texted that word to a gay mate and I said, hey, check this out. And then he wrote back, ha, 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 I'm just cleaning that off my bed. <laughs> That's terrible, that's terrible. I was in the States recently and I went to a Young Republicans meeting and one of the things that they, they taught me, one, that, that young Republicans drive around uh, neighbourhoods looking for lawn signs of other Republicans to choose a place to live. That's amazing. Do you think that would ever happen here? Would you ever drive around looking for like a Labour lawn sign to go, oh, I would, I would move there, or a Greens lawn sign? Well, do they kick them out have... of their house? Or how does it work? No, no, <laughs> does it work? just when you're moving when you're moving, Yeah, when you're we're, moving, we're when moving, you're moving in, house, thanks. Uh... That's a major factor. Like You're driving around, seeing where other Republicans live. I live in Redfern. The biggest surprise would be seeing a lawn. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I learnt there was that uh, it got to the point where some person in the Young Republicans meeting went, you know what, we're just going to have to have a war with Democrats. This it's just going to be a civil war. And everyone went, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Do you think that would ever happen here? Or do, do Australians not care enough? I don't think we care enough. Maybe the Greens people would rise up, but live with Labor, no one cares anymore. Rise up and throw tofu at everyone. Or, yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Very, very good. I'll just be voting for whoever runs on an anti-Coney policy. <laughs> very good. Excellent. Thank you. Irrational fear. Oh. Tonight's sponsor is Valia Yogurt. Yes, their new television commercial starring Sarah Murdoch dancing around blissfully like a psychopathic axe murderer who's very happy for two things. One, she was born beautiful and B, married a millionaire. Valia, stealing jobs from faceless blondes in order to keep billionaires' wives at work. Woo. All right, how are you guys going? Oh, that's good. Can I just point out that before when I said that thing about Australia Day and the boats, that wasn't me. That was just me playing a character in the, in the script because I said it and all you guys kind of went, oh, and I, oh no, I've got to get up and talk at them. Um, I was at the beach on Australia Day, right, and there was all these kids there and they had on, you know, the, there was about a pack of 20 of them and they had on the Australian flag as a cape and they were all wearing a T-shirt that said, Australia, if you don't love it, leave. Didn't have the guns, I added those, but... You know what I mean? And anyway, so I was at the kiosk right getting an ice cream and there was a kid there who'd separated from the pack and I thought, I'm going to have some fun. And uh, I said to him, hey man, that's a nice shirt. I don't get it. And he goes, oh, you know, it's all these immigrants that come here. They take our jobs. They don't learn the language. It's turning the country to shit. I said, mate, if you don't love it, leave. <laughs> hey, right. But that's not why I'm here. Apparently, I'm <laughs> I just had to crowbar that in. Because, yeah, anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, like the Mardi Gras was recently. Gay marriage, it's going to happen. It has to happen in 2012, doesn't it? You'd think so. I think it should. Uh, obviously, I think this is the year because they're running out of excuses. Uh, they're running out of bad excuses too. Uh, Julia Gillard's best one is, uh, my opposition to gay marriage is because I had a conservative upbringing. That's it. That's the best excuse. What a crock of shit, mate. My brother and I both had a conservative upbringing. We both support gay marriage, okay? My brother supports it so much that he's gay. Um, 
He's bang up for it. Um, my parents are conservative and they support it. Uh, initially, it was a bit of a shock because uh, my brother was always the golden boy. He got straight A's at school, then he got his degree, then he got his master's. Uh, he got a really well-paid job. Two houses on the northern beaches. I got arrested twice in my youth. I've been deported from America. If someone was going to shock my parents, it was always going to be me. And then he turned around and went, Mom, Dad, I'm gay. Ha, ha, ha. My time to shine. Um, or I thought so anyway. It lasted about two days. And then they went, hang on, nothing's changed. And they've been flying the rainbow flag proudly since. But uh, I'm all, look, I'm all for equality, but I'm not okay with my brother being gay. Uh, not for any reason other than he's my only other sibling. So all the pressure is on me to have grandkids. I don't want that pressure, um, but I don't want to disappoint my parents, so I'm just going to tell them that I'm gay too. Because <laughs> I think that'll fix it. But 46% uh, of the Australian population supports gay marriage, 19% uh, are undecided. Why would you bother ringing in? <laughs> Hello? Hello? Oh, I don't know. Uh, will, you be, will you be my friend? Um, 35% of the Australian population are against it and their argument is that marriage is sacred and between a man and a woman, uh, can I let you in on a little secret? Uh, marriage is a choice that two people make and it's a legal contract that gives two people a uh, claim to kinship so they can say they're family. And the government invented it. So, you know, if marriage is sacred, so is tax. Because um, the government invented that too. Maybe the gay and lesbian community shouldn't have to pay tax. You know, and then uh, everyone, <laughs> maybe they shouldn't have to pay tax and then all the homophobes will be going, oh, I'm gay too. Just let me save 100 cents in the dollar. Or they'll be pretending to be gay so they don't have to pay tax. Either way, it's a win for the gay community. <laughs> um, yeah, but see, ma marriage isn't even the issue. That's, that's the issue now, but that's not going to be the big one. Trust me, the big one's going to be kids. Because uh, they're going to go, oh, we let them get married. Well, why do they have to drag kids into it? Who cares what they do to each other? Why are they bringing kids into it? It shouldn't be about uh, who's doing the parenting. It should be about the quality of the parenting. And 100% uh, of children, or people, sorry, 100% of people in prisons all come from heterosexual parents. Um, and, you know, like, what do they think? Just because two people are gay, they're going to have no maternal or paternal instincts. But some kid's going to walk in and go, oh, dads, I shit myself. And dads are going, oh, no, what do we do? All my instincts are gone. Do you know? Oh, no, you don't know either. Let's just chuck him in the oven. Um, he's going to hell anyway. Um, anyway, that's, you guys have been... Thank you. <laughs> and they said, what's your position on gay, 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 gay marriage? Now, guys, today Bob Catter released a TVC, a television commercial that... Uh, that came across as very anti-gay. It features uh, a gay couple... That's because it, it was very anti-gay. <laughs> yeah. Some people maybe can, may construe this, com this commercial as outright bigotry, um, but it had a picture of uh, a gay couple on it and their lower halves were pixelated um, in this TVC. What, what do you guys think could be happening under that pixelation? What, what could possibly be going on? Well, it's obviously got to be something that Bob Catter hates and is afraid of, so it's probably a combination of happiness and common sense. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what um, could be going on there? Maybe tattoos of Bob Catter. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, thing? Did you oh, have wait, to no, uh, Yeah, it's, it definitely. It says funny responses here, please, actually, on our piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, potentially, it's the gay person they found in Bob Catter's electorate, so now he has to walk backwards from Burke. <laughs> it was his half-brother, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
So close to home, yet he didn't say it. <laughs> it's actually it's actually a, a couple of gay guys, and what they're doing is they're putting their hands around a, the, a cast of a woman's pregnant belly. That's Bob Catter just hates babies. That's that's what this ad is. It's not anti-gay. He just hates babies. Anybody having babies, which is astounding. Now, um, what do you guys what do you guys think of the main things that people are scared about with gay marriage? What why are people scared of gay marriage? Because it's different. That's it. <laughs> that's why ignorant people are scared of it because it's different and they're not used to it and it goes against everything that they've brought up as traditional. So they go, oh, "That's not right. No, oh, it's going to ruin tradition. What are we going to do if there's no one to throw the bouquet? Well, they'll throw the anal rosebud, you know." Like. <laughs> but this is just going to make it worse now. Potentially, they're just going to be afraid of pixels. Now it's going to be uh, it's going to be a whole generation of people terrified of pixels. Um, what is the worst possible? What is the worst possible situation or the worst possible scenario if gay marriage is allowed? What 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 should people be scared about? Oh, just people being happy that they can be with each other and loving couples. Yeah. That's terrible. That's yeah. isn't isn't that gross? Isn't it awful when people can be happy together forever? That's that's the worst. That's disgusting. And people will finally realise how fucking boring heterosexual weddings really are. <laughs> There was there was such, uh, something on Facebook today that said if um, if we don't get married you don't get divorced and then a mate of mine wrote underneath it oh no we want that too we want we want both want everything excellent this is irrational fear because no one wants to catch gay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mexico. It is the home of sun surfing and girls gone wild. But if I've learned anything from TV, it's also the home to angry drug lords named Speedy Gonzalez. Uh, that's what I've learned. Now, just um, like here's here's what we got. We got going on. Uh, Mexican drug lords are getting more and more powerful. But want to kind of know what the Australian connection is to this. So I've brought in uh, an expert on all things drugs. He probably won't like me saying that on, on radio. Uh, he is a well-known economics person. Please give him a round of applause. Ross Greenwood! <laughs> Ross has made his way here from 2GB straight after his show. Welcome, Ross. Dan. Now, I wanted to talk to you about um, drug, drug cartels in Excellent. Mexico and, and how, what, their, what their effect is in, in Australia. Can we get the ground rules right first? Yeah, sure. Who's doing the lines? You or me? You can do whatever. <laughs> it was just a little gag. Can we get a, a mi- gag before we started? All right. Right, right, right. I didn't know. Right? <laughs> didn't know what kind of lines, That's but that okay. was good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Can we get a mirror down here? Thanks. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So what? What is the? Um, what's the deal with Mexico? Dr- Mexican drug cartels in Australia. What, what's? Is there a big They're tangible massive. link? Like, look. Have a look at this. Where are we right now? We're in the cross, right? This is about business. This is about distribution. This is the heart of the distribution of coke in Australia. Bar none. Where are the nomads in the crowd, please? Out there? Where are the Comancheros? Boys, where are you? Put your hands up, please. They're getting getting tattoos. Let us get out. Yeah, that's exactly right. So here it is. Drugs in Australia. 750 kilos of drugs have been seized, coke, in the past year and a half in Australia. Just, Just quickly, are you on coke? Yeah, absolutely. The shirt, beautiful. White, nice white shirt. Nice and snowy. Any, any, Any residue doesn't go anywhere. So here it is, 750 kilograms in the last year and a half. All of it's come from Mexico. Really? Most of it. Now, the whole point about this is $143 million street value. Now, the whole point about this is if you get drugs out of Colombia, $2,000 a kilo. 
You get it to the States, $40,000 a kilo. You get it to Australia, $190,000 a kilo. Whoa! Business, people, business. It's all about trying to get the stuff here. The reason why they're finding more of it in Australia is because strong Australian dollar, they've got very good networks, and they can get it to Australia. They get caught, that's the risk like anybody takes. So, like, my friends who buy... Coke, you don't have any friends who buy no, Coke, I, you? I, I, don't, I don't have any friends who buy Coke. <laughs> but, like, they're paying insanely, like, crazy profit margins. What's, like, what's that profit margin like for them? Well, you sit there and you think about this. You can get it into the country, $190,000 a kilo, and you can probably multiply that by 10 again. So the whole point about this is street value versus what it's coming to the country at, totally different things. So we're talking serious money in this game right now. Are, you, ad- whole... are you advocating this? Uh, <laughs> <I am. laughs> you, know, you know, the weird thing is, any of you heard of Milton Friedman? One of the great market economists, free market economists. He was the man who said in the United States, all drugs should be free market. No government intervention, no police enforcement, all free enterprise. The reason for it? Supply and demand. You actually raise the supply of the drugs, you drop the price of the drugs. And guess what? The government could tax it. Never caught on that, did it really? So why, um, let me ask you this, why, why was that, I wonder? What do you reckon that was? Never caught on. It's a, it's a terrific idea. But let me ask you, what, why is a profit margin in Australia so uh, crazy big compared to everywhere else? Because it's so hard to get the stuff here. Right. You think about this, you know, you've got one kilo we're talking about and we can get a profit margin coming from Miami to Australia of 150 grand. You have got a very big incentive to try and get that kilo here to Australia. Fact is, you think about how big a kilo of coke really is. Very, very small. Try to find that in the hold of a ship, please. People, so, come you, on. Could the solution be to start growing it in Australia? Jobs creation <laughs> drops the price. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who would vote for that. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> and given it's a rural industry, and rural industries are having such a tough time at the moment, it might be a good way of kickstarting jobs on the on the farms. What are you there, thinking? There are a lot of dealers doing it tough. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. But the whole point about this is it's about profit motive. And so if you can actually get the drugs here... Now, this stuff that I'm talking about comes straight out of the US Drug Enforcement Agency and out of the FBI. They've written vast papers on this where they mention Australia is one of the most lucrative places to try and get drugs to anywhere in the world right now. And so they're doing a hell of a lot of work to try and work with the Australian, um, in particular federal police, to try and apprehend a lot of these shipments as they're coming in. Now, the interesting part I also can tell you is that when anybody gets caught here as a courier bringing drugs into Australia, guess what? They get absolutely squillions of dollars of legal representation thrown at them by the Mexicans to try and get them off them here. So these people who have been charged in Australia have got almost unlimited resources to try and get them off those charges. That's how big the incentive is here. Of course, because they're so loaded. It's like... Like, we've got Gina Reinhardt here, and they've got Carlos over there. Well, that's right, yes, true enough, they do. (laughs) Now, listen, the interesting thing is, what's Gina worth with that family fight she's got going on? I don't know. What's she worth? 20 billion, something like that? They're saying 20 billion? Yeah, yeah, Mexican cocaine drug lords worth $38 billion. They blow Gina away, literally, if you think about it. You know? (laughs) Whole point about this is this is serious money. So the whole thing about drugs coming into this country, being distributed, do not think it is anything other than very serious business. Well, they talk about the richest man in the world being that guy who runs... Carlos Slim. ...who runs the telecom communications company. in Mexico. Mexico. What's he worth? He's worth, I think, $60 billion is what they said he was worth. So you're talking about the drug trade in Mexico, which, of course, has been the subject of incredible violence, kidnappings, Beheadings, all types of things. They are very serious operators, there's no doubt. Massive fights. I've, seen, I've seen Breaking Bad, so... Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. I know exactly and what you're what's about. happened is, guess what? When you get a massive profit incentive, 
you also get incredible alliances being formed. So traditionally, the Colombians wouldn't have cooperated with the Mexicans. The Colombians would have tried to get the stuff here themselves. They couldn't, so they distributed through the Mexicans, who have also started to cooperate with the Sicilians to get the money here, or to get the drugs here, rather. So this is one of these things where transnational globalisation is taking place right on your doorstep with that little couple of grams of coke you buy. How do they get it here? Oh, God only knows. But, I mean, generally most of it's tried to come in the hold of ships, you'd have to yep. say. There's no other real way unless you're going to swallow the stuff and get busted out at, you know, out at the airport. I mean, but apart from that, really, to get serious amounts of money, because you're not going to try and get here with really just one kilo, are you? I mean, if you're going to try and bring the stuff in, you're talking, remember... Bring a truck, bring a trailer, <laughs> tell them the price, son! That's it. But remember, <laughs> three busts in this past year, 750 kilos in total, 134 million bucks. So we're talking every one of these shipments on average about $40 million worth. Now I've got to tell you, there's a serious profit motive if ever I've heard one, given the fact that the raw materials, when you went back to Colombia, probably cost you the best part of not $134 million bucks, but probably more likely $5 bucks. We're talking serious dough. If you could give one tip yeah. to... To uh, prospective drug traders. To prospective drug yeah, traders. Exactly to come into Australia, <laughs> what would it be? Um, don't declare the money to the tax office because they'll try and get some tax out of you on the way through. Because remember, this is a... This is a cash economy and this is a cash industry and tax is at the very heart of this because you don't want to pay that ever. <laughs> Ross Greenwood, everyone! Tax is just impossible. impossible. Thank you, Ross. Impossible. Now, um, we're almost at the end of the show, guys, so thank you for hanging in there. Now, we were going to be talking a bit about um, ethnic diversity on television, but um, uh, Jay Gaia, we wrote something for Jay Gaia to do because he tweeted about how he was on Home and Away and they, they were going to axe his, axe his character, but Jay is not here. We've, even, we've written a script for him and everything, so, um, but maybe, maybe one of us could read it. Um, but none of us are really black except for Susie. So um, I'm still taking notes on the, uh, yeah, the good. last speaker. Uh, <laughs> but so maybe, I don't know, is anyone there here that might be able to help us out reading? Uh, is anyone here that maybe like a historic or, uh, or a legend of Australian showbiz uh, who may be ethnic in nature, who may want to help out? Is anybody, anybody here? You, sir. You, sir, over there. You, sir. Is that, uh, is that, is that Kamal? It is Kamal! Oh, my God! Ladies and gentlemen, Kamal! Hello, yo, yo, I'm sorry. What are you, what are you doing here? Look, Kamal, we've written a script. Um, I, get, I don't know if you're, if you're happy to read this out, but this is, uh, this is a script we wrote for Jay Lagaya to do, but he's not here, so I guess... Ladies and gentlemen, playing the role of Jay Lagaya is Kamal! Oh, uh, that's, that says Lewis's intro. I'll be Lewis in this case. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm white, but don't take my word for it. Just ask racial expert Jay Lagaya. Yeah. <laughs> we all know... The camera adds 10 pounds or 4.5 kilograms to your television image. But you may not know that Australian cameras add 10 shades of white, which is the same as 10 Dado brothers. It's an alarming statistic and one that TV executives don't want you to know. You may have heard recently that my role on Home and Away was terminated after 18 months. 
I was one of only two ethnic characters out of a regular cast of 22. It's my feeling that TV networks can't handle the concept of multi, uh, multi, uh, multiple ethnic characters. I've been told, however, that my character storyline reached a natural conclusion. Interestingly, the natural conclusion of Alf Stewart's storyline will neatly coincide with the natural conclusion of Ray Ma's life. <laughs> Toadie's storyline on Neighbors will reach its natural conclusion sometime in the year 2060. <laughs> My thoughts on this matter have been thoroughly misinterpreted by parts of the media and the public. So, Allow me to misinterpret them further for you in order to keep this new story going beyond its natural conclusion. <laughs> if you have two eyes and a brain, you'll have noticed that people on television don't look like the people you see when you leave your house. That's because Australian TV hasn't evolved beyond the white Australia policy, which was supposedly abolished in 1973. Color television was introduced in Australia in 1975, but many stations are still yet to implement it. <laughs> On Channel 7, it's whiter homes and gardens, while on Channel, no uh, Channel 9, it's quite apparent that the farmer wants a white. Even SBS needs more diversity. Hitler has been dead for nearly 70 years, but he is on SBS five times a week. As it stands, the toys on play schools are more diverse than the human faces on Australian television. But the whitest show on TV is, of course, Parliament Question Time. I particularly like the episode where the Asian character turned out to be a lesbian. the way to kill two tokens with one stone. <laughs> Why are people so unkind? <laughs> I was thrilled to learn that Channel 10 was, in, uh, Channel 10 was introduce, uh, introducing a new breakfast show to compete with the whitewash on Sunrise and Today. Better yet, they have even hired someone from the country of my birth, New Zealand. But. But if you're worried that Australian TV was just about to get too diverse, rest assured. Because they made sure to choose Paul Henry, the most bigoted TV personality that New Zealand had to offer. This lack of diversity is not just restricted to TV. Many of you might be listening to me speak on radio. I want you to visualize the following names. Kyle and Jackie O, Fifi and Jules, Hamish and Andy, Ant and Bex, Jonesy and Amanda, Tom and Alex, Jono and Dano, Rosso and Claire. Sound like white noise to me. <laughs> but, I'm not, but I'm not just looking for diversity in Australian media. I'm looking for diversity in people's names, like mine, for instance. For too long, the letters and the of the alphabet have maintained a tyrannical stranglehold over our names. So I've got an apostrophe in my name because I believe in diversity. <laughs> Why should names be restricted to letters of the alphabet when we could be using punctuation marks, numerals, or currency symbols like 
Keisha. <laughs> by the way, by the way, uh, I had a problem. At play. I'm not playing J now. I'm, I had a problem with my name because until I added an H to my name, I would have been forever called a camel. But <laughs> it's okay. And speaking of pop stars, Channel 9 will soon launch its new show, The Voice. I love the idea behind this show because the judges won't be able to see the contestants. This means that they will be judged purely on their talent and not on their appearance. I think that when Martin Luther King Jr. had his dream, he must have been dreaming about the voice. <laughs> and you can be sure that there won't be any discrimination because we all know that Seal doesn't care about what color supermodels are. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> but really, the best reason I can suggest in favor of greater cultural diversity is this. When there is a lack of diversity in Australian film and TV, it forces people from different cultural backgrounds to create their own opportunities. So, the more you discriminate, the more likely there'll be a third walk boy film. <laughs> and nobody wants that. So, whether you're a fat slag that hasn't got that much titty to be having a low-cut blouse, <laughs> or a dut root diving to the bottom of the pool to see if your brain is there, there should be room for you on Australian television. But on a personal note, when all is said and done, racism and prejudice is purely a pigment of your imagination. Very good. Now, before we say goodbye, I want to leave you with uh, what you should be scared about next week. So here is Susie Youssef with the top three fearsome fears for next week. Fear number three, excess baggage has been renewed for a second season. And in the quest for higher ratings, they're going to move the show against Channel 10's Breakfast. Fear number two, as the world of social media demands an end to the exploitation of an army of children in Africa, those same people demand that a different army of children be whipped harder to get their fucking iPad 3s on time. <laughs> And you should be very afraid of fear number one in the Middle East. In order to soften his critics, Syrian President Bashir al-Assad will star in a romantic comedy with his hot wife entitled Surely You Can't Be Syria. And taking us out tonight is the former PM and everyman, Mr. Kevin Rudd! Rudders in the air, every sight and every sound. Rudders in the air, and my stimulus abounds. And let me say this, was I your most popular leader? Yes, I was. Am I clever and handsome and wise? Absolutely. I have something that you must believe in. 
And it's there when you look in my eyes Rod is in the air Like emissions on the breeze Rod is in the air When I'm flying overseas Sometimes you must think you are dreaming But I'm real and you're glad that I came I have something that you must believe in And it's there when you call out my name R-U-D-D-R-U Double D Brothers in the air Brothers in the air Whoa, whoa, oh yeah Sauce bottles. Everybody clapping. That's it. Feel the rug love in the room. It's like the sun. It shines on everyone, Kamal. Give yourself over to total programmatic specificity. Enjoy the wonder of conceptual synthesis and reverse engineered outcomes. I'm Kevin, and I'm still here to help. Rodshi Shis on Gong, Maya Maya Shen. Rodshi Shis on Gong, Jiwo Jiko San. And though you think I'm an illusion, too good to really be true. I have something that you must believe in And it's there when I reach out for you R-U-D-D-R-U Talking about me? Brothers in the air Brothers in the air Oh, 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 yeah Last chance you know the chorus. Here we go. Woo! Brothers in the air. Brothers in the air. Oh, yeah. I'm in the air. Breathe it in, people. Breathe in the rod love. Breathe it in. Because... Fear is produced for FBI Radio by Dan Illigan, Manager Joseph, Dan Nash and Tom Lowndes, written by Dylan Bean, Caroline Pegram, Jack Drews, Scott Abbott, Lewis Hover, Alice Fraser, Mark Humphreys, Michael Hing, Dan Towns, Daniel Towns that is, Susie Yusuf, special thanks to Ross Greenwood, Anthony Aykroyd, Kamal, Nikita Exarian, Kimberly Gasserin, Caroline Gates. Follow us at Irrational Fear on social media. Remember there's always something to be scared of. John Deeks, not speaking. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.